Hi, and welcome to the Weird World Podcast, where Dean's weird and the rest of us are not. <laughs> That's just me. I'm Carrie. I'm Emma. I'm, well, I guess I'm Dean. I'm, <laughs> you guess you're Dean? Yeah, I suppose. What do you got for us today, Dean? Something weird. See? Something, <laughs> actually something that we did many, many moons ago in a very brief, truncated way. Today, we bring it to you, actually, part one of two parts in a much more detailed fashion, because it actually is a pretty amazing story, ripped from not today's headlines at all. <laughs> it's actually from about World War II oh. era. Always ace those tests. Do you? I was an amazing or did you? student when it came to history classes, yes. Damn, hmm. if she says so herself. I got A+, plus. I got hundreds Shit on girl. my tests. Wow. Well, as you know, during World War II... There were actually some attacks on American soil, as I, I no doubt you know since you were Yeah, mm-hmm. Emma, why don't you talk about those? Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Duh. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even after that, there was a possible Japanese bombing attack in near Los Angeles in 1942, a story called the Battle of Los Angeles that we need to do one of these days. Yeah. There was another in Oregon later that same year. There was a saboteur ring called Operation Pastorius that had, due almost entirely to its own incompetence, been uncovered in New York. And there is a 33-person spiring had been broken up in 1941, centered in Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, Des Moines. Oddly enough. That is odd. And Des Moines, as you know, was in the same American Midwest region as Mattoon, Illinois. Did not is, know that. You didn't, well, you know where Illinois is. You know where Iowa is. Correct. There you go. Didn't know where Mattoon was. Though. Mattoon mm-hmm. is in kind of central Illinois. It's a quiet town about 180 miles south of Chicago. Okay. I don't know if that helps you, only if you know where Chicago is. Sure. And where South is. <laughs> and how much 180 miles is. South is down, of course. Okay. As we all down. know. I hate that. People <laughs> say, oh, it's That's under Iowa. No, that. nothing's. You know what's under <laughs> Iowa? The ground, magma. Okay, stop that. <laughs> it had a population of about 16,000 in 1944 when our story takes place. And like most Americans, I think the good people of Mattoon were always, well, I, they're a little bit on edge. During wartime, a lot of tension. Yeah, even on the home front, you just you know you never knew when the enemy might strike closer to home. I think everybody was worried, weren't they? I think so. Did yeah. everybody have like have to have blackout curtains and not in the United States? No. Well, no. Trust me, no. Oh, that was more of an English thing. Oh, I'm afraid of we attacks were not being now. Bombed. After uh, after Pearl Harbor, there was no major significant attack, but there was a lot of tension. They never knew it was going to happen. I thought Could've, we were worried about it on the West Coast. Not really tremendously. Again, there was the there was the early 1942, not long at, at all after Pearl Harbor, the Battle of Los Angeles, yeah. which was almost certainly just paranoia and fear. But after that, again, there's a couple of I mentioned them in both right. in Oregon. There was yeah. these balloon attacks, but no, there was no blackout hmm. curtains and stuff like that. I mean, there are air raid sirens and there's preparations, yeah. and things like that. Okay. Yes, but not. But still, there was just people were scared, were scared even in the middle of the country. People yeah. were a little nervous about. Hmm. About the war. And there was even the t- talk in the newspapers of a possible Nazi gas attacks on U.S. soil, especially as the, that post-D-Day situation for the Third Reich became untenable and they, they realized they're losing the war. People started being afraid that, hey, maybe they'll do something, you know, what we now call terrorism right. here on U.S. soil. So think of that as the milieu, if you will. Okay. Mm-hmm. The tenor of the times. Probably maybe what it was like here after 9-11. A little bit, yeah. I suppose except it lasted a lot longer. Yeah, and there was actual actual war 
going on. Yeah. <laughs> but in Europe. Everybody was afraid. I know. Yeah. Of, of going to a ball game, of going to a mall, of going yeah. to Disneyland. Remember? Yeah, absolutely. And especially flying. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah anything. Yeah, maybe what the next one was going to be. Yeah. Next terrorist it, attack. It was going to be at a big event or something like that. Yeah. Turns out it was white supremacist in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so our story begins in the early morning of September 1st, 1944. Though most sources report this as August 31st. I'm not 100% sure why. A lot of these things, by the way, the dates are going to be weird because they were like sort of late night, early morning when these things happened, these incidents happened. So yeah. be careful with that. A guy named Urban Rafe, R-A-E-F, he woke in the early morning feeling kind of weak and nauseous. Mm. He got the whiff of a strange odor. So do a, do a smell sound effect there. Good one, good one. Then he started vomiting. Go. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Good job, well done. Naturally, he woke his wife and asked her if she had left the gas on the oven, the, mm. the oven gas on. How do, we, how do we say that? You know what I'm left. talking about. Let, yeah. Left the gas on. Sure, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's vomiting, it smells something terrible. Hey, hey, you leave the gas on. I'm assuming he spoke like that. <laughs> And he probably also asked her to fetch him a turkey pot pie because he's a little bit hungry. And it was 1944. And so, you know. So, yeah. Turkey pot pie. Sure. Mrs. Rafe, she woke up and she looked at Urban with disgust and for the millionth time wondered why she'd married him. I'm, I'm, I <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. No, I mean, you know. You, you're vomiting. <laughs> you leave the gas on? Blames her, of course. Typical man. It's part of the patriarchy. <laughs> he couldn't have checked? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Well, I guess he did feel pretty shitty. I guess, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Rafe, though, she did not sense anything amiss, at least not right away. Mm. But when Mrs. Rafe tried to get out of bed to check on the pilot light in the kitchen stove, she found that she could not. She could not get out of bed because her legs were paralyzed. Oh, my God. That's like my biggest fear. Really? Waking up paralyzed? (laughs) Waking up like something unknown affecting me yeah like being super sick and it's clearly not a usual illness uh, and having no idea what's going on uh yeah paralyzation par- being paralyzed yeah too. i mean we, we've talked about hip and popic or yeah. hypnagogic whichever one that one is a type yeah. of sleep where you are paralyzed because your yeah. body is thinks it's uh, dreaming but sleep yeah. paralysis sleep paralysis yeah. yeah but this was obviously different they're both fully awake right. and talking to each other and yeah. neither one can move and get out of bed uh, th- they would soon feel all right but they spent this terrifying time in bed sick and paralyzed Probably thinking, what are we going to talk about? What'd you do today? <laughs> but actually, no, they're they're pretty scary for a while, especially since he said I smelled something terrible, so they thought mm-hmm. there might be some kind of gas. Mm-hmm. There's a similar incident reported from later that morning of a woman. She woke up to her daughter having a coughing fit. So her daughter mm-hmm. is is coughing so bad it wakes her mom up. Newspaper accounts though did not give names and exact location of this incident, so it was kind of lost in the literature about this. So it wasn't reported at the time, and neither was the rapes. We'll get to that in a second. But they did not tell anybody about what happened to them right away. Okay. So it's the next evening, September 1st now, the evening of, right? A Mrs. Kearney smelled something outside her Marshall Avenue home. This is, of course, the era when the newspapers always said where people lived. Oh, yeah. And they did something newsworthy, which is yeah. terrifying, terrifying and weird. <laughs> now they say it, but they say the you know 10,000th block yeah. of... Elmer Avenue. You'll see that here sometime too, by the way. Elmer Avenue. That's a well known. <laughs> Elmer, like the glue. 
It's named after. That's for the clothes <laughs> named after Carrie. Thank you for that. Common, Carrie goes from the most common street name, you know, Elmer Avenue, like you know, Main Street, Maple, Elmer. Why the Elm and then my oh. health just kept going. <laughs> okay, that's weird. That's scary. Actually, might be, do you smell toast? Because you could be having. I do smell something, but oh, it's not toast. Is it gas? Because we're talking about this. It smells like glue. It smells like what? It smells like glue. glue. Now you smell glue because you said the word Elmer. She's having a psychotic episode. No, none of us do, Gary. This is actually quite. I literally terrifying. smell nothing. No. You maybe should go get some medical help. We'll finish this. So okay. So September 1st, Mrs. Kearney smells something outside her Marshall Avenue home. She was there with her daughter and her sister, Martha Reedy, who is called simply Mrs. Reedy in all the contemporaneous newspaper accounts. Of course. Because women did not need or deserve first names in the Mm -hmm. 1940s, as we all know. Nope. Our identity is centered around whatever man is in our life. (laughs) So Mrs. (laughs) Mrs. Kearney said, (laughs) quote, I first noticed a sickening sweet odor in the bedroom. But at the time, I thought that it might be from flowers outside the window. However, the odor grew stronger, and I began to feel the paralysis of my legs and lower body. I grew frightened and screamed for Martha. She came into the bedroom to which the door had been closed and asked me what was the matter. I told her of the sensation I had, but I was unable then to move from bed. So again, you have a woman, and Martha's the sister, by the way. You have a woman who's paralyzed, smells something weird and sickly sweet, and there's no apparent cause of it. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. So when Sister Martha came into Mrs. Kearney's room, by the way, Mrs. Kearney's name, I eventually found out was Aileen, or Aileen, I don't know which, by the way, just F-Y-I. Probably Aileen. Yeah. A-L-I-N-E. How's that spell? Aileen. Okay. So anyway, Martha came into Mrs. Kearney's room, and she smelled the odor too. Martha agreed that it was coming from the open bedroom window, so outside the house. Martha fled to a neighbor's house to call the police. The neighbor was Mrs. Roberts, of course. Mm. R. Robertson, the accounts vary. Seriously, honestly, this is one of the worst things about this story is that on almost every newspaper account and almost every current can, you know, count account on the internet, they call these women just Mrs. Whatever. Roberts and Mrs. Kearney. Because they don't know their first name. It's hilarious. Again, remember, you called me Mrs. So-and-so this morning, and what did I say? I was joking, and you you almost hit me I in said, the face. I don't fact, like I, that. Don't I, call I me that. I don't <laughs> call you that. Never called you that. <laughs> I called you other terrible things, but not that. <laughs> But it, it is weird, though. I don't know. I just find that strange to me. But they did know their names. I, I was able you to find out all their, their names name, eventually. Yeah. But oh, most people mm-hmm. who write about this don't say their first name. Still, lazy. as if they're writing in the 1940s. Yeah. I don't know. So when the police arrived, they found nothing. Nothing. No sign. No smell of themselves. No cause of this sickness or this odor. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, no sign of a prowler outside the bedroom window. I, I imagine that they suspected there was someone out there. It, it, it seems like that, but there's, the reports say the police looked around, didn't find anybody in the area prowling around the house. They also didn't find, like, trampled flowers or no sign that anyone had been around the house doing something crazy. Or, you know, at this point, what exactly? It's still very yeah. much a blank slate. Mm-hmm. So... It's, it's not even clear completely that there was the sense that anyone had done anything. They just, you know, got there, didn't see anybody, didn't see anyone, didn't smell anything, didn't know what was going on, and said, sorry, if it happens again, give us a call. Mm-hmm. But that would soon change. Because Bert Kearney, yes, he does get a first name because he's a man. <laughs> and by the way, he was a taxi driver. He got word that the police had been called out to his house. 
So he rushed home. I don't know, I guess radio? Taxi drivers listen to police radio? I'm not sure. But he got word. Somehow he found out that the cops had been to his house. He rushes home. He arrived there sometime after midnight and before 1230 in the morning. But So the police had already gone. They've come there, investigated, and left already. As he's coming home, as he turns into the driveway, his headlights illuminate something against the side of the wall of mm-hmm. his house. That something, in his mind, formed in the shape of a man lurking near a window. When the prowler noticed Kearney driving up, he or she took off. They fled. Kearney gave chase. So he pops oh, out of his car. Wow. He gives chase. But remember, he's a taxi driver, so he did not catch the prowler because mm. he was a, a taxi driver. I'm That's stereotyping nice. taxi drivers. Yeah. But it's probably pretty true. Especially in 1944, white male taxi driver. Come on. He was, he, I, he, he was at least two bills minimum. Two bills? 100 pounds. Oh. I don't know. I think people were slimmer in 1944. Really? Than you know what? Be. They were probably hungrier. Yeah. Not as much food. Mm-hmm. Good point. Well, Rations. he didn't catch him. Yeah. Oh, did we have a lot of rationing like England did? Oh, yeah. We had some, right? Yeah. But not as, not as bad. My mom has her ration card or something mm-hmm. from What? Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. She was alive. Damn. <laughs> she was alive. She was like a cave woman. So, because she's really old. They didn't have ration cards in the cave days. How do you know, <laughs> Carrie? They may have. Oh, man, I'm all out of mammoth for the month. <laughs> <laughs> but we now had a description of this person. Some There's mm. a person now. And they had apparently gassed the Kearney home with something sickly sweet that caused nausea and paralysis. At least that was the assumption. You know, Bert Kearney says, I got there. I saw someone. He's by the window. You put that with what happened to his wife, and it, it seemed obvious. Kearney described the prowler as being tall, wearing all black clothes, and a tight-fitting black cap. So the police were again called after he gave chase, came back home, said, call the police. And they came out. But again, they found no one fitting that description anywhere around the Kearneys are nearby. I guess they searched the neighborhood. Didn't yeah. see anyone like that. And well, it's like, course. again, sorry. Yeah. The black clothes, the black hat description pretty much defines, you know, every nighttime prowler, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't a huge help, but the police still released kind of a description. And I, I've seen a sketch, a pretty terrible sketch. I'm pretty sure by a child of this <laughs> child of this prowler, and that sketch and that description was picked up the next day in the in the local media. Fortunately, Mrs. Kearney recovered in about half an hour, so she wasn't nauseous and paralyzed very long. Though her daughter felt miserable, kind of the whole morning, the whole the whole for hours more. Mm. So the Kearneys originally thought their prowler was just that—that that he was a burglar. Apparently, Mrs. Kearney and her sister had been counting money that they kept in the house. And, yeah, weird. They kept cash in the house, apparently. And they were right there in the front room, the living room, in front of the open window that looked onto the sidewalk in the road, counting money. And so they thought that maybe someone had seen them walking by and said, Let's hey, gas them real quick. Basically. Uh- yeah. I wonder if, um, has any family playing Monopoly ever been robbed because of that, I wonder? <laughs> it's worth looking into. If they don't see it that close, oh my God, see how much money those guys have? It's a $500,000 bill. Oh my God. So the perpetrator then, according to this theory, went home, got his gas, came back and sprayed gas through the window in order to incapacitate them and rob them. Can I say something? Yes. That's dumb. It's pretty standard stuff. Carrie. Okay. This happens most every day in America. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they, you know, again, th- th- this is interesting, though, because you're going to see how the story evolves. 
They're not thinking this is anything more than a one-off. We felt I mean, the Rafe's story had not been reported to anybody. This mm-hmm. is, the, and they just, you know, I felt sick. I felt I was paralyzed. Uh, then he came home. He sees someone, chases him off, and he's like, yeah, what, what, you know, what were you doing? Well, earlier we were counting money. We're in the front room. Someone could have seen through the window. I mean, you can see how that can happen. It is a ridiculous assumption, yeah. but still, yes. there. I mean, you know, otherwise not impossible. Otherwise, an amazing coincidence. They probably they probably thought. The Kearney's travails were sensationally reported in the Mattoon Daily Journal Gazette the next day. The headline, quote, anesthetic prowler on the loose. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the kicker right below it was Mrs. Kearney and daughter first victims. We'll come back to that. Both, both those, the headline and that kicker, would play crucial roles in what happened next, most people think. So we'll get back to that. We'll get to that later. The newspaper reported the smell, they reported the symptoms, and they noted how Mrs. Kearney later felt a burning pain in her lips and throat. Hmm. The clear indication from these first stories was that this was a purposeful act and that someone had somehow introduced a dangerous gas into this quiet suburban home. So they've established that someone gassed these people to hurt them or incapacitate them Mm -hmm. somehow, maybe even try to kill them. They don't Jesus, know. Yeah. And that they felt this burning. They had this, they smelled this sickly sweet odor, odor. They were paralyzed. They felt nauseous. All those things were established in that first story in the Mattoon uh, journal I, uh, that was presented on September 2nd. It was only after seeing the story on the Saturday, September 2nd, that the Rafes then said, figured they better report their incident, which had occurred prior to the Kearney's, as you know. Hence, the Kearney attack was early on. It was cited as the first mad gasser attack. But it wasn't. Right. Mm. Urban Rafe, he was worried, though, that the police would think he was a fraud. Yeah. That he is making it up. So when he called to tell them what happened to him and his wife the night before the incident, he was, you know, a little nervous. Turned out he shouldn't have been. Two other events from the night of the current attack had already been reported to the police since the, the newspaper came out. So before Rafe called with his earlier attack. Yeah. One was this unnamed person, which I believe is that one I alluded to a minute ago. Is this the unnamed person? The newspaper just says literally something like someone else had had happened to them too, and they smelled a sickly sweet odor, and they um, had sick kids in their bedrooms vomiting during mm. the night. Oh, that was one of these reports. <laughs> yeah, I know. But again, they they claimed there was this sickly sweet odor before their kids started puking. People need to close their windows, man. It's September. It's warm. Early September. I'm thinking it's still summer and it's still hot in there. In Iowa? In Illinois. A. Oh, Illinois. And yeah. The other report had come from a guy named George Ryder who said his wife, Beatrice, she got a first name, by the way, had nice. smelled something nasty the previous night that made her lightheaded and, quote, restless. Restless? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So those reports, so the Urban Raves now was like the fourth report or so to the police slash media. I think restless just translates as anxious. Yes. Maybe like she, she was anxious. Or restless leg syndrome. Sure, That's yeah. a real legitimate thing that you need pharmaceuticals for. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you being facetious? I'm being very sarcastic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the newspaper theorized that the gas could have been chloroform or ether. Hmm. Or they said maybe it was both combined. And they theorized that it had been sprayed into the homes with some kind of apparatus, like a pesticide sprayer. Mm-hmm. Like they put into a spray gun or something like that. Squirt, squirt, squirt into the room. Do <laughs> squirt, bad squirt, things squirt. to them. Great sound effects. <laughs> Thank you. Well, okay, you did it. 
That's pretty good. Thank you. It's not great, but it's pretty good. How about whoosh, 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 whoosh. Care you do yours. No, but I'm going to give you temperature information for Mattoon, Illinois in oh September. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bitch is on her cell phone. Get 1944 temperature. Okay, September 1st. Well, not 1944. These are just averages. No, that's not going to help us. Why? It's been a heat wave. Yeah. Heck, seriously. Here's the average. Okay, what's the average temperature September 1st? Well, I just cut off of You're it. You're dead to me. I actually uh, should do August because it's an average for the full month. Then it really is closer to August than it is the full month of September. So you're killing me here, Oh, you're killing me, Dean. Uh, We're both killing each other. Killing us softly with our songs. (laughs) The newspaper initially called the mystery attacker the anesthetic prowler because of this theory, because of this idea. Which, by the way, is just lazy and it's at least 17 times worse than the words mad gasser. Which will later later become, became known as the mad gasser of Mattoon. Way better than anesthetic prowler. That's super lame. Yeah. I agree. So fear grips Little Mattoon after this little first spate of attacks. But the gasser waited until September 5th to strike again. On that night, a Mrs. Cordes, C-O-R-D-E-S, and her husband returned to their home on North 21st Street. (laughs) (laughs) It was night. They used the back door to enter their home, as was their custom, and they went about their business just settling in, right? Home for the night. You know why? Because it was probably alley loaded. Ooh, maybe so. Listen to Carrie. She's learned some <laughs> she knows uh, stuff. home building terms yeah. and she's going to throw them out. I'm very impressed. Did by she that. learn that recently? Recently, yes. Oh, no. But, no, I, no, she's but I don't often have to use the no, term. Yeah. So. I rarely <laughs> have to use the term. I use it all the time. <laughs> Beulah Cordis. And who, by the way, did get, a, did get a first name. Yeah. Probably because it's Beulah and they just wanted to write that. Beulah. Beulah. She opened the front door to let in some air on this warm night, Carrie. So it was It warm. could have been unseasonably warm in 1944. Yes. That probably is not unseasonally. I think in early September, Illin- Illinois, Illinois, I'll bet you it's can get warm. really hot. It's crazy hot, but I bet you it's warm. Like Chicago, I know, can get super hot in the summertime. Yeah, Carrie, you've just been served. You've been, do you smell toast again? Because now you've been burned. It's not a mini stroke. Well, it had in mid-50s for the lows. For the lows, sister. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, she goes in the, she comes in the back. She goes to the front, open the door, right? She opens the door. She notices a white cloth either jammed into the screen door or it's lying on the porch in front of the screen door. Again, accounts vary, which is really annoying because that could actually be pretty important. But we don't know which it was exactly. It appeared the cloth to be looked at to her to be a little bit larger than a handkerchief. So naturally, Beulah picked up the cloth and gave it a healthy sniff, Ooh. as you do. I would never think to do that. <laughs> Beulah did. Good God, Beulah. To her great consternation. And so, she just passed out. Uh, worse. Oh. Kind of. No, not that bad. So here's a quote from Beulah. So you know she lives. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Well, I'm glad she lived. Quote, when I inhaled the fumes from the cloth, I had a sensation similar to coming in contact with a strong electric current. The feeling raced down my body to my feet and then seemed to settle in my knees. It was a feeling of paralysis. My husband had to help me into the house and soon my lips were swollen and the roof of my mouth and my throat burned. I began to spit blood and my husband called a physician. Oh my God. People don't say the word physician. I think the reporter helped edited this mm-hmm. but anyway it was more than two hours before i began to feel normal again so hers was a pretty severe one then again she yeah. did go right in her freaking right. nose and sniff good it good god yeah. she's not the smartest no poor Beulah. no i i you know what 
I think she is, judging by her clearly, clearly edited quote there. <laughs> it was not just the cloth left near or on the porch outside the Cortez's home that she found, however. After feeling a little bit better, later that night, Beulah went hunting for additional clues outside her home. She's like, okay, be a sleuth. what the hell just yeah. happened? Yeah, I know. But no, not Beulah. She was intrepid, okay? She was mm-hmm. inquisitive. I like her. I like Beulah. So she went out there and she started looking around by her porch in front of her house. And she found a, quote, well-used, unquote, skeleton key next to the porch. Near that was a nearly empty tube of lipstick. So white cloth, either on the screen or right next to it, a skeleton key, and an empty lipstick Lipstick. container. Nearly empty. Nearly empty. And it wasn't a lipstick she used? No, it was not her lipstick container. She She would would never be caught dead in a mauve. (laughs) She was a In 1944, hell no, you didn't wear mauve lipstick. She was was a winter. You wore red or red or red? There were three shades of red that you wore. (laughs) Red? Red, red, crimson. Bright red, dark red, orange red. Hot pink. Yeah. Putting the key together with the gas, Beulah figured the cloth had been placed on the porch to incapacitate their dog that usually slept on the porch. Uh The gasser, she thought, would then be able to rob the house in comparative peace without being chased away by the dog. It's not clear if the dog was not there or what happened to it. I've never read anything that said, okay, well, was the dog there? This was, was their front porch. Their front porch, yeah. They put the dog in the front porch. Remember they had an alley-loaded house, Carrie? So they put the dog in the front <laughs> well, porch. Sure. I don't know if they chained it. They probably did back in those days. Or maybe they had a white picket fence. Probably had a white picket fence. To keep the dog inside. So probably. they put a white... So apparently, that's what they were thinking. That was her theory anyway. They, yeah. they were trying to, to drug the dog to get out of the way so they could rob their house. But apparently, Beulah's dog was a lot smarter than Beulah yeah. because it did not sniff the mystery cloth. Or maybe the dog just was in the backyard or inside. Or no, I don't think it was a backyard. Like I think Carrie's right. It's, like it's, it, there was no there back was no, or front yard. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, and certainly no. Like we in California, we have the how the fences that go completely around the lot. In the Midwest, they didn't have any. They, you don't have back fences. For yeah, the most mm. part. I see. So they probably kept the dog on a chain in the front. Makes the sense. Porch. Yeah. So in, in searching for the Cordis Prowler, the police picked up a man wandering around the neighborhood only about a block away. So finally they have somebody. He claimed, though, that he was just lost. And that he was, and also he was not wearing those all black clothes. He wasn't like a ninja. He didn't have that light, that cap on his head. So they sent him on his way. Yeah. Well, like, what time of day was this one? This was at night. Okay. So later part of night. So he's just walking around the, the neighborhood and says, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm lost. I don't know how. Can, in fact, do you know where 525 Maple Street is? Can you <laughs> give me a ride? I don't know. But they didn't think he had anything to do with it. Okay, good. Well, you thought his, you thought this was going to suddenly lurch into a story about an un, <laughs> a, a yeah, person false confessions. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. No, that's, that's your thing. Investigators had the cloth tested by the Illinois State Police Laboratory, but they did fi- not find any substance that might have caused Beulah's violent reaction. However... Yeah. It was about 60 hours between when the cloth was found by Beulah and when it was tested. That's a long time. It took a long time to get there. There was some kind of some snafu, some logistical snafu. And it was, they had to go to, I guess, I'm assuming Chicago, maybe Springfield. I'm not yeah. sure. And they didn't have Ziploc baggies. They, they probably, no, they, didn't time. they? No. And they put it in waxed paper. I don't know. Or a plastic <laughs> paper, bag. Or a paper bag. Paper or bag, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that any substance that had been on it had evaporated. Mm-hmm. So we can't be sure, but the laboratory did not find anything on it. Same night as Beulah's cloth-sniffing misadventure, 
Uh, I can call it. <laughs> Mrs. Leonard Burrell. Ugh. And again. Leonard's Le- a weird name for a lady. <laughs> oh, Carrie, that was good. Sly, smile rich. you. <laughs> She's good. Mrs. Burrell. B-U-R-R-E-L-L. How do you, how do you want to pronounce that? Burrell. Burrell. I don't know. Burrell. Burrell. Works. Okay. I'm going to go Burrell. 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 Mrs. B spotted some... <laughs> Uh, someone she spotted someone's trying to break into her bedroom window at her home on North 13th Street. It was about 11:15 p.m. So she like wakes up and sees someone trying to literally break into her bedroom. Oh, That's God. scary. She smelled fumes in her room and began to cough and choke. She's struggling out of bed. Mrs. Burrell snatched her baby from his crib and rushed to a neighbor's house. Smart woman. Good for her. After this report, that's and this is all happened September fifth, right? Uh-huh. So that's this is kind of when the mania hit Mattoon. Depending on the source, there were seven attacks on September sixth, and at one more the next day on the seventh. The bureau on the Cortez attacks sometimes get lumped in with these, since many um, were again during the early morning of the sixth, was it late night, early morning. So the dates cut, but there was this rash of yeah. attacks on the fifth, sixth, and into the seventh. There was another on the night. Or morning of the 8th. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yes. Do they know the times of all of these? Do any of them overlap? I mean, uh, are they able to yeah, surmise that it's the same person and, and logistically could have done all of them? Everything or? I've seen, and then includes like university research, doesn't give an exact time exactly. So like yeah. late night, some, like 11, 15 p.m., but in nowhere can I do I see that there's anything that happened exactly simultaneously. Okay. Mm. They and, and but there was five and I think there's two. There was what five on the fifth, I believe, and seven on the sixth. That's a lot. Yeah. And so if this is a Madagascar running around, he's busy. Yeah. But it's a pretty. It's a small town. It's a confined area. Yeah. So, I mean, they, I was they just can, wondering. They can't be. I've, I haven't mapped it out. I'm sure that exists. But these are there. They can't be more than a couple few blocks away each of them. So. Okay. The bureau and the CODIS attacks. I'm sorry. There was another on the morning of the 8th and 9th, and then three on the 9th. So so the morning of the 8th and 9th, you know, like midnight yep. or whatever. And then three on the on the 9th, and then three more on the 10th. That is 16 incidents from September 5th through September 10th in wow. the of Mattoon. Wow. So people are getting gassed. They're getting got. I have a table, by the way. We'll put that up. Okay. That's just a table of all the – it was done by Eastern Illinois University. And it um, is awesome. It has like date of attack and things like that. It has the victims and it has the location 208 North 22nd Street. So it's pretty good. So hope you enjoy that. Some just say like unnamed woman, <laughs> but most say the name of who was attacked. The reports were pretty consistent. There was the smell, this, you know, odor of some sort. There was the sickness. They got, and there was sometimes, but not all the time, people seeing this figure in dark clothes. The sickly sweet odor and some kind of paralysis were very common. Those were kind of the two probably most common symptoms. Symptoms, though, were always temporary. So they never, again, it was a half hour, two hours that people felt yeah. sick or paralyzed, usually closer to 30 minutes. So not a very long-lasting gas. Hmm. But again, if it, if it is a gas, it's been sprayed into the room other than dumbasses sniffing uh, cloths that they just found on their porch. <laughs> it was so, you know, the, it wasn't direct contact. Yeah. The victims rarely knew each other, though, and were, as far as any, anyone knew, not in communication. So they weren't, there wasn't Conspiring phone tree. together. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. As far as anyone knows, again, it, w- there was no connections divined between all these different victims at the time. 
Some witnesses did catch glimpses of this man in black capering around the night during this rash of attacks. And again, he was always described as tall and thin, dressed all in black, and always with that skin-type cap over his head. No one, however, was ever able to catch the prowler. And when the police came, he was invariably known to be seen. So, so no one ever caught him. No one ever caught up to him. Police would get there, I'm assuming fairly quickly, because it became a big deal there yeah. in the tune. And it's a small town. And they never caught any glimpse of that same guy. Again, they had a lost guy who was dressed in nothing like that. And that's yeah. about mm-hmm. it. Prowler, by the way, is a word I think we desperately need to bring back. Don't you think? <laughs> Prowler. Yeah. Prowler. I used it the other night and you blasted me for using old timey language. You blasted language. her. I, I don't think I blasted her. I think that's a <laughs> gross exaggeration. I said, you idiot, you use old timey words. God damn you. I probably just chuckled lightly and thought, that's delightful. My wife just used an old timey no, word. No, you made fun of me. Ah, I gently teased you. You was, blasted. I, I, I felt blasted. Did you feel blasted? Whoa. Okay. Well, that's personal. <laughs> so, anesthetist too, by the way, don't you think? Now, you know what? Let's not bring back anesthetist. You know why? Because I can't spell what it. What does that even mean? Someone who administers anesthesia. Yeah. Oh, and it's I, not an outdated word. No, it's just a word that I can't spell. So I believe <laughs> okay. we should get rid of it. I misspelled it every single time. I can't time. spell it, so it's not real. Besides, let's ditch anesthetist and call them gassers. Come on, man. <laughs> okay, sure. What do you do for a living? No, I'm a gasser. I'm a gasser at a hospital. It's very impressive, so. sir. Very <laughs> impressive. Your insurance, I hear, is sky high. It is my gasser insurance. I'm a doctor of gas. Yes. <laughs> Guessing. Gastrologist. No, wait. That's real. That's Never mind. Gastronomy now. is a thing, yeah. Sisters, Maxine and Frances Smith, during this whole brouhaha, this, this. <laughs> okay. Brouhaha. Language. Okay, there's a little bit old time. <laughs> they, uh, during this rash of. Incidents. Uh, Francis and Maxine Smith, their sisters that lived together, they were struck twice. Wow. On the sixth and again on the seventh. Oh, my Lord. Huh. Lord somebody really had it in for those. Yes, the Smith girls. Yeah. They call them the Smithies, I'm assuming. The Smiths. They probably didn't. No. Oddly, despite the number of apparent attacks, no victim was ever able to get a really good look at the attacker or give a better than that vague, tall, thin, in black description. And there was also very, very little physical evidence. Really, the only major solid physical evidence that they found were the cordis attack, right? With the cloth and the key and the lipstick. Yeah. That was about it. There was, I mean, we'll see, you know, we'll see later. There was some footprints maybe in the flower beds, you know, beneath the window yeah. kind of a thing. But uh, there was very, very little. And these, again, the 16 attacks in five days and there's virtually no physical evidence left except from one incident. And, an, and that was an early incident. Huh, were people like turning in their neighbor who slept all day and Ooh. only came out at night? Or Carrie's got a nefarious mind, anything? isn't she? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably. I, it was freaking people the hell yeah, out. That's I know. Sure. I was so freaked out. It was a major event there in this Mattoon. So after the events of the 5th and 6th, which was kind of the second way. I remember the first, the September 1st had a couple of things. And we have mm-hmm. the 5th and 6th. After that, the next spree started with Violet Driscoll. And her young daughter, Ramona. Oh. I know. I hope she's okay. She's <laughs> long dead. I just long like, dead. I just like, like the, the name Ramona. Actually, maybe she's not. Ramona Flowers. I think we need to bring it back. Ramona, huh? Oh, but name you're your not. Ramona. Ramona. How about Ramona Prowler? If someone was named Ramona from, like, if my age group had kids and it was named Ramona, everyone would think it was from Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. Versus the world. Because the girl's name was Ramona. It was indeed. And, and also Ramona and Beezus. 
Beast. M- people would probably think it. Yeah, that. Much but most so. likely Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. And it probably wouldn't be much of a compliment. Back she was okay. Yeah. Well, she's like the quintessential like manic pixie dream girl. Sure, and, yeah. sure. She is a manic pixie dream. That's my words exactly for the you manic know that, pixie dream yeah, girl. Yeah, you've I never heard not. that movie tro- trope? No. Manic Man- pixie dream girl. She's alternative and artsy and cool oh, okay, and, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the toxic guy falls in love with her even though she is aloof. And I know the type very well. It is an absolute stereotype. Everything now. Zoe Deschanel does is always yeah. like a manic pixie <laughs> yeah. dream girl. My mom had a friend named Ramona. Oh, was she a manic pixie dream girl? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> she was a two pack a day hairdresser. Hi. Manic pixie dream girls didn't exist. Back she was probably then. a teacher. So, so two pack a day smoker. I'm guaranteed. Mm-hmm. They, okay, so Violet Driscoll and her daughter Ramona awoke late on the night of December 8th at the sound of someone trying to remove the storm sash from their bedroom window. Again, pretty damn scary. So, much like Mrs. Burrell, Violet grabs Ramona and she raced from the room. They ran toward the front door, going to call for help or go to a neighbor's house, something like that. But Ramona started vomiting before they can get to the front door. Oh, oh God. Yeah, I would just, I <laughs> frankly would have left her behind. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, A, I'm not Father of the year. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, come on. What? <laughs> no. Hold no. it till we get outside at least. Jesus. She's a child, is she not? <sighs> I guess she is, but that's no excuse. <laughs> so Violet opened the door. I guess probably to get away from her vomiting daughter, <laughs> and saw a man in dark clothes sprinting away from the house. Later that night, so now it's the early morning of September 9th, the interrupted spree continued. The gasser went for a home where several people were sleeping, including Miss, Mrs. Russell Bailey, uh-huh. <laughs> Catherine Tuzo, Genevieve Haskell, and her young son, Grayson Wayne Haskell. <laughs> Wait, all these people with different names were sleeping in the same house? I I don't understand either. I do know that Genevieve was an obvious fan of Batman because Grayson Wayne, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Dick Grayson. And and Bruce Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. Dick Grayson is Nightwing. This is 1944. Batman was 39, 40, something like that. Is Dick Grayson Oh, is he in the early ones? He, yes. 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 He was the first Batman. He was the first. Batboy. He was the first Robin. Robin. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, they are. These are non-related people in the same house. I don't know why. Hanging out. But they're sleeping, sleeping so, so I don't know. The next night, September 10th, came another little cluster of three more attacks. One took place on Moultrie Avenue where elementary school principal Frances Smith with her sister Maxine Smith. Wait, you heard me right. Have we heard those names before? Yeah. Yes, we have. It's the third time the Smith sisters were struck. Wow. What? They were they? the unluckiest women in Mattoon. Clearly. Good three Lord, Lord. Sixth, seventh, and tenth. Poor Maxine and Francis. God, wow. that's awful. I feel bad for them. Maxine and Francis on this night smelled that familiar sickly sweet odor. They were overcome. They began choking and they felt sick. Paralysis gradually gripped their arms and legs. This time they actually reported seeing the gas fill the room like a quote, thin blue vapor, unquote. Unquote. A buzzy noise outside the window sounded like the gasser's spraying apparatus, at least to the two women. So they thought yeah. they saw it and heard themselves being gassed and then felt the effects. Later that night, Mr. and Mrs. Stuart B. Scott, Stu, Stewie, got <laughs> back, I'm assuming, he was a friendly guy, He got. they got back to their farm just outside Mattoon. This one's just a little bit outside the city limits. They enter their house only to be assaulted by that ever so familiar sickly sweet smell permeating their home. So by this time, the gassings were epidemic in Mattoon, and that was the kind of the last of the 
that spasm of incidents. So let's talk about the reaction. First, the reaction had been, I mean, tension we were building in Mattoon since the onset of the first attacks. Mm-hmm. But then on the 6th, on September 6th, the Missouri State Police were called in. So Mattoon's like, we can't handle this. We need some help. Wait, I mean the Illinois State Police, I'm sure. I have no <laughs> idea why I typed Missouri. That makes no sense. <laughs> Missouri was like, you know what? It's not. Why are you calling us? <laughs> I'm confused. Oh, are we in Missouri or Illinois? I'm giving a southern accent now for no reason. Two agents arrived the next day from the Illinois State Police. Uh, two agents were also dispatched from the Springfield, Illinois FBI office to see yeah. what was going on in my tune. So the FBI is now going. I, I, there's probably some senses. Let's just see if there's some kind of Nazi thing going on here, yeah. some kind of a war thing. So some Mattoon police squad cars were also equipped with two-way radios for immediate communication between officers on patrol. This is, at the time, a high-tech solution. Really? That's that's funny. Yeah. So they finally had two-way radios they could talk to each other. One out of 12, one out of 12. That's what I read. It said this is like a new thing, apparently. So I I didn't didn't verify that because it doesn't seem like it would be, but it was, according to some people. I don't know. Hmm. Take it or leave Hmm. it. I know. Somebody Hmm. out there investigate that because I frankly don't have time for it. And... Tell us I'm thinking back true. to old like gangster movies. Yeah, like, did they, they have, have two-way radios? I mean, not, sure not walkie-talkies, but using yeah, radio. It sure seemed like they did, but what, we're talking yeah. movies, so who yeah, the heck knows? True. Dick Tracy. But <laughs> as the as the dragnet spread out, and despite those fancy new two-way radios, the attacks continued unabated. As you know, the people of Mattoon were not just going to take this assault line down, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you mm-hmm. think people would be standing guard? Oh, yeah. All night long. Oh, yeah. In shifts. So many residents, they grab the shotguns and they form neighborhood patrols and vigilante groups. Mm -hmm. The police beg them not to shoot each other. (laughs) Please don't kill each other. Honestly, it's remarkable no one ever did. Yeah. So no one gets shot. I mean, right? This is a person. Someone's dressed in somewhat dark clothes walking around at night. Yeah. I'm shocked no one got shot, but no one did. Some proactive locals even hung out at the city hall. And they follow police cars to see if it was a gasser car. So they see a, mm. a, a police car, you know, stream out from the station there, and they would follow, follow them in their Good cars. Lord, could you imagine? Police probably oh, so annoyed, so irritating. Men guarded their homes with guns in hand, waiting to spot a shadow by a, a window or a dark figure at the side of their house. And ready to, again, no one got shot. Shocked, no one got shot yeah. just walking by a house. Farmers from the surrounding area even got their guns and helped patrol the town. So they came in from the surrounding farm and said, we'll help y'all. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they said y'all in That's central nice. Illinois. That was very not. nice. Yeah, it was. Richard Piper, the lead agent from the Illinois State Police on the on the case here, he thought many or most of the reports were bogus. Mm. However, Richard knew the chance for some good publicity when he saw it. I guess he was a up-and-comer or he was ambitious because he told the newspapers that the anesthetist prowler, as they were still calling him, was the strangest case he had ever experienced and that the perpetrator was a, quote, crazed madman, unquote. Today, obviously, he would have tweeted that, but at the time, he told the newspapers this. And again, he thinks it's all bullshit, but he's playing it up in the papers because Richard wants his name in the papers. Piper added that, quote, the perpetrator of the attacks must be mentally unbalanced, but he is intelligent, possibly brilliant. The man is a nut, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> intelligent, brilliant nut. He's an intelligent, brilliant nut. 
He assured the populace that at least the madman was not a peeping Tom. He apparently wasn't looking at anybody, ladies taking their clothes off. So, and then he said, well, probably not. Yeah. So he was a huge comfort to the people of Mattoon, I'm sure. Yet still the attacks continued. Screens were found sliced with a sharp knife. Apparently, they surmised to grant access to inject the gas into the house. And again, there were footprints kind of mussing some flowers. So that added to the sense of some physical evidence. But as we'll see later, it's not completely clear that was mad gasser related, any of those things. It was after that spate of attacks on the 5th and 6th that newspapers shifted from Anestis Prowler to Mad Gasser. Thank God. Yeah, much better. (laughs) So thank God they're calling him the Mad Gasser. He's finally named correctly. We're going to end part one here. When we come back, we'll talk about, first we'll talk about how the the public mood and certainly the mood of authorities in Mattoon and in the state of Illinois changed pretty quickly in this case. And then, of course, we are going to get to theories. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful theories. But there's tons of theories. Not for this the thing, capture, the arrest, and courtroom we'll, we'll, drama. We'll talk no. about that. We'll I'm very curious. Okay. I'm very curious. So that's next time. Please listen. It'll be out next week. Carrie, yep. tell Me? them certain things. Weird World <laughs> Podcast <laughs> yes. at gmail.com if you want to write me a nice little note. Um, Doesn't it sound weird when she says it like that? Yeah. Hi, hey, she's Carrie. like winking. By the way, she's winking. <laughs> Just people. I know you can't see it, but she is. Wink. Right, you wink. want to write me a nice little note? Do it. Weird World Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Patreon, I think. <laughs> and Weird World Pod on Twitter. Yes. I will tweet this. No, you Someone won't. Will. Shut up. I will oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> we'll, we'll put up that nice chart that you like so much. I will. You know what? I don't know how to tweet that. Can I do you that? You don't know how to tweet a photo? It's, maybe it's I can. It's very easy. Help me. Will you okay. help me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Come back next week to hear the rest of the story of the Mad Gas and Mateen and also me getting made fun of my family. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye. <laughs>